0: Uh, today's sermon is called the early church in 2018 there was a pew research study done uh, on church attendance and uh, it showed that there were two main reasons why self-professing christians did not come to church there are two main now the first reason and this was about 44 percent of those who were interviewed they said that the reason they don't go to church regularly is because quote, I practice my faith in other ways, in ways that are best for me. The second reason, which is about 28% of those who are interviewed, they said that they were self-professing Christians, but they didn't go to church because, quote, I haven't found a church that I like. Now, As I was looking at this research study, as I was looking through kind of what they were saying, I I kind of thought of two things. First is that many Christians, instead of influencing the world, are being influenced by the world. And the reason I say this is because when you look at these two reasons, they coincide completely exactly with the two biggest identifiers for our generation. And what are those two things? It's individualism and consumerism. I practice my faith in my own way. That's why I don't need to come to church. That's individualism. I haven't found a church that I like. That's consumerism. Now what's happened is that instead of having the Bible shape us and form us and make us look through the world in that lens, is that we are so into the world, is that we are so combined into the people and the places and the things around us here that we look at the Bible through the lens of the world. And that's how we judge church, that's how we judge each other, and that's how we ultimately look at God as well. The second thing that this study shows us is that many Christians don't have the right understanding of the church. For a lot of us, we've been conditioned into thinking that the church is a building and their programs and the sermons and the music, but look, that's not the church. For us, we say that the beginning of the church, it started almost with this passage here. But you have to realize that the early church, it didn't become the early church because there was a sermon. There were a lot of sermons that happened before. The early church didn't become the early church because of the praise. There was a lot of praise that happened before. The early church became the early church because there was a gathering of believers who came out of the world and joined together under Jesus Christ. That's the early church. That's the church that we want to be. And so all I wanted to do today was look into this passage and look at the church in three different aspects. First is that the church is a gathering of believers called out from this world. Second is that the church is where we yield to God. And third, the church is for all people. Okay? Let's go into the first one. First, is that the church is a gathering of believers called out from this world. Now, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, the word for church is translated as assembly, an assembly of people coming together. What's interesting is that in the Greek, there's also that definition, but the word for church, is Ecclesia. I'm sure you guys have heard that before too, or some of you. And what that literally means is to be called out, to be called out. So the biblical definition of the church is a group of people, an assembly of people that are called out from this world to gather together and worship the Lord. It's a group of people. That's why it says in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Do you see how Peter, he doesn't say a place, he doesn't say a building, he says a people. He's telling us the definition of the church. Now, what I think is easy for us to understand is the first part of the assembly. I think it's, un- it's easy to understand, okay, a church is where we gather together as people. Because for us, in America at least, there's no problem with gathering. For a lot of us, we take that for granted. When we look at a lot of our other missionaries, a lot of places in the world, man, it's, it's a privilege to be able to gather without being persecuted. And a lot of other places, they have to stay hidden. They have to meet in secret. And yet for us, we're able to gather and just praise the Lord together as one body. But I believe the harder part, the part that many Christians don't understand, is that you are called out from this world. You see, Peter, he speaks about this in verse 40, where he says, And he continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. See, church, the word that Peter uses here for crooked is the Greek word skolias. It's the same word that we get the word "scoliosis." He's saying that apart from Jesus Christ, the values and the things of this world are crooked. They are bent in different ways. They are going in a different direction. And if you continue to live being influenced by this world, you will become crooked yourself. You will be crooked in your values. You will be crooked in your morality. You will be crooked in the way that you think. And this is how Peter is trying to explain something that Jesus has been saying all along. And it's that our values of the Bible and as Christians are completely opposite of this world. That there is a stark difference, church, between what is straight and what is crooked. And that when you look at someone from this world, that their lives and what they think and how they live will be in complete opposition to the person who believes in Jesus Christ. It has to be. Look, I have been, I've seen pictures of people with severe scoliosis. And there is a stark difference between how they looked maybe before they had surgery and after they had surgery. When you come up to them after surgery, if they have surgery to straighten their spine, you're not going to say, oh, something looks different about you. I I think there's something I can't really put. You're going to know exactly what's different about them. It's night and day. And that's the same for us as well, church. Church. That if we are called out from this world, that we are going to live differently than this world. That there are values that the world espouses that we cannot espouse. That there are beliefs and things that this world holds dear that we cannot hold dear. And this is going to be the joy and the difficulty of being a church body, of following Jesus Christ. We are called to be uncrooked in a crooked world. Because do you know what the world says? That we should love those who love us and hate those who hate us. And yet the Bible tells us that we are called to love those who love us and love those who hate us. Church, is easy to love those who are lovable. That's the definition of being lovable. They're easy to love. But it's hard to love those who criticize you. It's hard to love those who talk badly about you. It's hard to love those who immediately say things to you or behind your back that hurt you. Are you still able to love those types of people? Guess what? We are still called to do so. The world says that we should live with one another and have sex before marriage so that we know that we're compatible. And yet the Bible tells us that we should wait and be faithful and to trust in the Lord. Look, living opposite of the world is difficult. But think about why Peter would use a word like scolia. He could have used any other word, and yet he used this specific one that meant being crooked to be bent like the spine when i was younger one of the main things that i would get yelled at is that i had really bad posture like super bad and and maybe one of the reasons why is because i played a lot of video games when i was younger too i'm not sure but I remember over time, over a few hours, you know, your, your body, I would just I'd end up becoming like this. And I wouldn't even notice, but my parents would come up and they'd be like, you need to straighten your back. And what would happen was that I would have to actively go up, put my, put my shoulders back, and try to stand straight. It wasn't natural for me. Because for me, my natural position was to be bent over. But I had to learn to get good position. I had, to get le- I had to learn to get good posture in my position. I had to train myself to become uncrooked. Church, is easier to be crooked. It's easier to be bent. And when we don't actively think about it, we are naturally going to go towards the world. We are naturally going to want to hunch down. We are naturally going to want to go to scolia. And yet what we are called to do is to put our shoulders back and to stand up straight. We are called to be out from this world. See, that's the first point. The church is a gathering of believers called out from this world. Secondly, the church is where we yield to God. Verse 42 says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The beginning of this verse, it says, and they devoted themselves. Now, other translations, what they say is, so they devoted themselves. Now, what this means, or what the author is trying to say is that because of what happened before, These people devoted themselves to living as the church. Now, what happened that caused this? Well, we talked about it last week. They were cut to the heart. And because they were cut to the heart, they were willing to change. They were willing to live differently. Now, the reason why this would be strange for a lot of the people back then the reason why this would be strange for a lot of the Gentiles back then, the non-Jews, is that the other Roman and Greek gods, they were meant to fit in with their own lifestyles. They were meant to be a part of the people's everyday lifestyle, and, and they were just meant to be kind of on the side. For example, there was the God of sun, right? Right? You sacrificed to the god of sun when you wanted it to be more sunny. There was a the god of rain. You would sacrifice to the god of rain in order to, to have a better harvest, in, in order to have more rain. You would, you would sacrifice to the god of commerce so that you could may have more money, so you could do better in business. All of these different gods were there so that you would be able to allow them to give you what you wanted. And yet, what was important about this part, about this passage, is that these people, they changed after hearing the sermon. God did not change. Is that they were the ones who were cut to the heart. It was not God who was cut to the heart. And here is the important part is that for them, you see, they were cut by something that was much harder than them. Let me explain to you what I mean. You can't cut someone with a cotton ball. If you try to do surgery with cotton, it won't work because cotton is softer than what we're made of. And yet, the one thing that will work is a knife. A knife can do surgery, because it can cut you and it can heal you because the knife is sharper and harder than our bodies. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that a knife doesn't yield to us, we have to yield to the knife. When the people were cut to the heart, they came to the realization that what cut them was not something that they could just fit around their own lives. It was not something that would yield to them. It was not something that was simply a a genie that they could ask for and, and, and grant them wishes. It was something that they would have to yield their lives to. That the Holy Spirit is harder than them. That God is harder than them. And therefore, their lives would have to revolve around God. God would not revolve his life around them. Church, the Bible is very clear about this. There is nothing about the gospel or what Jesus preaches that will ever match to exactly what we want. The Bible is the truth. And it's the hard truth. There's nothing soft or mushy about it. It's the truth that is much harder than us. And it will be something where we have to change our lives to go around Because guess what? The Bible will not compromise on anything. And what we know is that these words for for so many years have not changed. And what we know is that God will not change. That his character of who he was before has not changed. Praise the Lord. That his promises that he has given to us from before we were born have not changed. Praise the Lord. And that the words of the Bible, they will stay the same forever. It's why Hebrews 13.8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And church, look, I hope that this gives us peace and not anxiety. Because if there's one thing that we do know is that for us, we are so back and forth with our lives. Man, I can't tell you how much my values and beliefs have changed from when I was 10 years old, from when I was 20 years old. And I can tell you that my life and the way that I view life and my perspective is going to change when I'm 40 and 50 and 60 years old as well. But the Bible does not change and it will not change. And that's the beauty of it if as long as we hold on to the bible as long as we hold on to the truths of the word of god then it will direct our steps in the right direction no matter how much we may change ourselves that's the second part lastly lastly the church is for all people verse 44 says this and all who believed were together and had all things in common you know there's this quote that was attributed to the theologian augustine that says uh, the church is a hospital for sinners not a museum for saints you see back then people they gathered from all different backgrounds and in these couple sentences it can look like everything is really nice and is uh, you know they're like the Brady Bunch, they're really sweet and kind with one another, but to think that they had no arguments, to think that there were no fights, to think that everything was completely harmonious all the time is foolishness. And the reason why it's foolishness is because every single person is broken and sinful. Look, I love Shining Star. I love this church. But it would be a lie to say that it's a perfect church. For myself, I am a broken pastor. And I've messed up a lot of times. And look, we have servant leaders here as well. And man, I am so lucky to partner with them to be able to pray with them, to be able to live life together, but they will also tell you, man, that they are broken people. There are so many things that are not great about this church, but it's, it's okay, because we have a greatness in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And look, for me, I, I just want us to understand that this church as as broken and as as sinful as the people may be here is so important for us to be a part it's so much it's so important for us to be a part of this to grow together that even in the messiness of all of this that we can still we can still be a part of something greater that God really encourages and, and, and commands us even to be a part of the church I know that there are people who have said, look, I'm, I'm into Christianity, but I'm not, inst- I'm not into institutions, and so I'm just not into the church. I know that there are people who say, look, I love Jesus, but I'm just not into, you know, the local church. But I want you to know that that's the same thing as saying, look, hey, I like your face, but I don't like your body. That's the same thing as, as me coming up to a, a really close friend saying, hey, look, I want you to know that I really, I love you, I like you, but I hate your wife. How ridiculous would that be? How illogical would that be? Because guess what? If my, my face and my body, they're one, they're me. In the Bible, the, the husband and the wife are one, they're together. You don't separate those two things. And yet for so many of us, we're trying to separate one or the other. And yet the Bible is so clear about this, that Christ and the church are one, that they're the bride and they're the groom, that they're the head and they're the body, that if you want one, you must have the other. And yet we're trying to make these distinctions that say, look, I love Jesus, but I just don't love your people. I love you, God, but I just can't stand the people that you have saved. How are we able to make that type of logic in our minds when everything else wouldn't make sense? And that's why for us, we have to have both. We need to be a part of the local church, even with the brokenness and the sinfulness of the people around us. And church, look, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's hard people are hard pastors are difficult the people around you are hard the the things the life groups are hard discipleship is hard the the fellowship is hard all this type of stuff they're difficult i get that i know that a lot of times the events don't match up to exactly what you want i know that a lot of times the sermons are boring i get that i know that man for me the The praise is always on point, but I know that sometimes the praise can be a little bit out of your preference, that maybe you want more hymns, that maybe you want more uh, concert style, maybe you want the lights more dim, maybe you want the lights more up. I get that. I know that there's this messiness with trying to get things together, and there's this messiness with trying to bring all these people with all different backgrounds together in one church. But the Bible says that you can't get away from that messiness. And church, is a messiness worth having for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look, never forget who is the head of this messy church. Never forget who is the groom of this messy church. Never forget who is the good shepherd of this messy church. It is the perfect one Jesus Christ he saved us and he bought us with his blood and look he says I'm going to grow with you I want to be with you I want to end with this one story there's this woman named Joni Erickson, um, Erickson Tata and she's this famous Christian uh, speaker and author now when she was a child she had Uh, this accident that left her paralyzed from the neck down, Um, and uh, she had to live her life that way. Now, in one of her books, uh, she wrote about her wedding day. Uh, She's been married now for about 38 years. Um, Now, on her wedding day, she wrote that it was really difficult for her because she had to have her friends um, be the ones who, who fit her body into the wedding dress that her friends were the ones who tried to do her makeup for her and get her ready. She said that as she was being wheeled in, the the bouquet was lying sideways uh, on her paralyzed hand, and there was nothing that she could do about it. And she realized only later that the hem of her dress was actually being caught under her wedding dress, under the wheelchair. She said that in that moment, she didn't feel like one of the brides in the magazines. But she said that as she was coming down the aisle, she saw her husband, Ken, looking for her at the front. And she said that he was standing as tall as he could, trying to look past everyone else, craning his neck to just see a glimpse of her. And she said that her face flushed and that she couldn't wait to be with him. She said, I had seen my beloved. The love in Ken's face had washed away all my feelings of unworthiness. I was his pure and perfect bride. Church, if you are a believer, then this is the description of you and I. We are the church, and yet nothing is perfect about us. We are unworthy and broken in every way. But don't you realize that as we look upon Jesus, all of that washes away. He is our groom. He is our beloved. He is our God who is craning his neck to see us because he loves us and he wants to be with us. It's his perfection that wipes away our imperfection. And it's his blood that wipes away our sin. He loves us, and we are his church. Amen? Let's pray.